This is Unaided, the brand building podcast brought to you by Leakside, a team snap company. Get ready to learn about brand marketing strategy from the experts. Here's your host, Evan Brandoff. Hello and welcome to Unaided, the brand building podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brandoff. Today, we welcome Marissa Solis onto the show. After an incredible 18 plus years at PepsiCo, Marissa now leads all global brand and marketing initiatives for the NFL. Let's get into it. Marissa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. This is great. Looking forward to it. Likewise. So first off, our Longhorns, big game tonight. It's March 24th. We're playing Xavier. What do you think? Do you think we could beat Xavier and make it to the Elite Eight? I always root for the horns, so I'm hoping that the horns do well tonight. We shall see. Well, it is great to have a fellow Longhorn on the show. Speaking of which, did you grow up in Texas? Where are you from originally, Marissa? Well, originally I'm from Mexico City, but yes, at a ripe age of 10 years old, I moved to South Texas. So I actually grew up in what's called the Rio Grande Valley. So you're a Longhorn, so you might know it's South Texas in the border area. So I grew up there and yeah, ended up doing my high school years in Texas. Interesting. So how was your English when you moved to Texas? I went to an American school in Mexico City to start, like, I guess, kindergarten, first grade. So yeah, coming, I knew a little bit of English, but yeah, Spanish was definitely my first language. And then just learned through the years and talk the language now, I guess. (laughs) You talk the talk. What was high school Marissa like? High school was, I grew up in a very small community. So about 99% Hispanic. There was only one high school in my town. So it was a big high school, about 5,000 students, but very high dropout rate because there was a very high poverty rate where I grew up. So only maybe of 5,000 students, 500 ended up graduating, maybe a hundred went to college. So Yeah, it was an interesting place to grow up in the border. There were a lot of cross-border issues. That's probably what inspired me to go to Georgetown and study international relations and try to be an ambassador. Yes, I should clarify. You are a long quorum, but that was grad school. That wasn't- Yes, that was grad school. That is true. That was grad school. And I think I was reading an article that mentioned that you didn't even know college was a thing until middle school, high school. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, coming from Mexico City, it's not something usually you study higher education within your same city, you know, you stay with your parents. So I didn't know college was a thing. And growing up in that community, it wasn't something that a lot of people even could aspire to do. Luckily, I had a teacher take a few of us on a road trip, actually, from South Texas all the way up the East Coast and showed us some really awesome universities. And lo and behold, I fell in love with Georgetown and Washington, D.C. And just the whole vibe was really great. So was able to attend there. Very ironically, I got a full scholarship through the Coca-Cola Foundation program. It's a scholars program, which is ironic ironic. because I ended up working (laughs) for PepsiCo later in my career, but always very grateful for the full ride and the education that I got there. Did anyone from Coca-Cola ever reach out to you once you were moving up the ranks at PepsiCo about the irony of the situation? It's very ironic. The program's 30 years old. So I think now they reach back 
and try to use it as a recruiting tool. But back then, I think I was a second or third class. So it's like you get your scholarship and then you move on and you provide some updates of what you're doing in college, but nobody really ever reached out. And ironically enough, I ended up in CPG marketing and could have been at the Coca-Cola company, but no, instead I ended up at Pepsi. So it's just fake, right? The irony of fake. And speaking of which, you had an incredible 18 plus year career at PepsiCo. You're making such a big impact at the NFL. There's so much that I'm excited to dive in with you. And for the purpose of today's conversation, I'd love to focus on purposeful growth, the power of sports for brands, and growth opportunities in the NFL. Great. So, yeah. So starting with purposeful growth, you had mentioned on a prior call that if you were to teach a college course, it would be about purposeful growth. It is definitely. Yes. Growing up and particularly as you got into the corporate world and the business, there's always a focus on growth right? You don't succeed in marketing or in business unless you have a growth mindset. And it is always about generating value and creating that value for an organization. But I think more and more purpose is just as, if not more important. So you can't just create profits for profit's sake. You really have Mm -hmm. to make sure you have an impact, a positive impact in the world. And I think companies that focus on both and are able to have the combination between growth and purpose and make sure that that growth is always providing a positive impact. I think those are the organizations that A, I look up to and B, will be the real leaders. So I always say for me, that's a goal, right? Always purposeful growth. Make sure as you continue to drive value and even monetize, we have to monetize to succeed make sure you don't forget the obligation to give back and ensure the communities around you and the communities that quite frankly, you serve as an organization grow alongside you. And thinking about PepsiCo, for example, when we think about purposeful growth, is that happening at the PepsiCo level or at the brand level, or should it be happening at both levels? I think it happens at both levels. I mean, it's a bit of top down because the vision, right, of the company should embody purpose. And as a matter of fact, Indra's vision was performance with purpose, which inspired a lot of my thinking. It does have to come grassroots up too. So the people within the company have to believe in that purpose. And then brands are the way to bring it to life, right? Because The action that you do day to day comes to life through storytelling. And I think you inspire through storytelling. And what better way to do that than through the brands, right? So at PepsiCo, it was this beautiful kind of the way it all came together because it was PepsiCo as a whole was performance with purpose, but then each brand lived a purpose of their own, right? And each brand, I think, contributed to that, to living purposefully and driving growth in a purposeful way. Yeah, it's interesting. Can you talk through an example? Are are there specific campaigns that this comes to life or is it really like the core values of the company, which is then going to yield a culture of more success? It's all of it, Evan. I mean, in the PepsiCo standpoint, there's tons of examples. I think a really good one is sustainability. When you think about the importance that sustainability has to the future of our world, and then in a certain way, the footprint, right? That PepsiCo leaves because we sell 
consumer products. So our food and beverage products leave a footprint in the world. And so when I was at PepsiCo, we had an obligation and they still do to make sure that we left a positive footprint and we contributed to sustainability of our environment. And so Lay's was a brand that really embodied that mission. And there were a lot of initiatives around sustainable packaging. They're working on biodegradable packaging. My favorite one was a global initiative where Lay's partnered with different companies to create sustainable soccer fields so that inner city kids could come and play in these fields. And they were sustainable fields made out of like the packaging. So that's just one example, right? But whether it's sustainability diversity and inclusion, education. There were different ways that brands through their own narrative and purpose could bring to life a positive change in the world in many different areas. So again, performance with purpose, which was really the mission of the company. Yeah. You brought up diversity, equity, and inclusion. I mean, somewhat on that thread, you did an incredible job of building out the Hispanic business unit at PepsiCo. If I botched the name of the unit, I apologize. Yes. Yeah. The uh, HBU. Yeah. We called it HBU for short. It was uh, HBU. Yes. The Hispanic Business Unit, the first of its kind in corporate America, and really something I'm very proud of. And I think a perfect example of purposeful profit because it wasn't just born out of a need to say, oh, we need to be more inclusive. Let's market to Latinos. It was born out of a business need, right? When you look at the food and beverage world in particular, first of all, we looked at the, at the time, 60 million Latinos, the growth that that Latino population was going to have in the US, the purchasing power of the population. And then the fact that Latinos over-index in snack consumption, beverage consumption, it only made sense from a business perspective to focus on that community. The purposeful part of it was, hey, as we are servicing this community, it is absolutely imperative that we invest in the community. We did a lot of investment in small businesses and small businesses owned by Latinos in female entrepreneurship, particularly Latinas. And that's kind of the plan now, even after I'm gone, you know, Esperanza Tisdale, Antonia Escalona, they're running that business unit across food and beverage. And again, continuing to grow the business because it's doing very well, but also continuing to grow the community piece of it, right? And the purpose behind it. Yeah. So interesting. And what I find Particularly interesting is exactly what you were speaking to is there was a business need and there is an opportunity to do well by doing good, impacting specific communities and growing your business at the same time, which Absolutely. you mentioned. Yeah. You mentioned that this was the first HBU. Is that the Hispanic Business Unit? Yes. First HBU yeah. in corporate. If you Follow the history, particularly of Hispanic marketing, right? It was always a marketing endeavor. So multicultural marketing has been around for a long time. Brands would do Spanish language ads or advertise in Spanish language media. So it wasn't that that was new. What was new was that it was a truly a business unit. So everything about it was made by and for the Latino community. So 
R&D, right, was Latinos looking to make and produce products with the flavors that the Latino community loves. So we were developing products for the community. We were selling the products through the community. So when you think about there's thousands and thousands of small mom and pop shops that sell our products all over the U.S. And many of these are owned by Latinos who sometimes don't even speak English, right? And so what an amazing thing to do then to create a Latino sales force that speaks their language, that goes and services their stores, that explains to them the assortment of products that we have. It kind of develops a new trust because you're speaking the language and you're really, really catering to the community. So that sales force has done a tremendous role in not only forging new businesses, but new relationships with all of these mom and pop stores, finance, marketing, storytelling. So everything about this business unit was geared towards that community. And that was the difference. That's why it was the first of its kind, because it was truly a 360 business from end to end across the board. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. And then shifting gears slightly, your last couple of years at PepsiCo, you've worked on some of the most incredible partnerships and owned the relationship with the NFL for Frito-Lay North America. And you clearly believe in the power of sports. What do you see as the power of sports specifically for brands to get involved with sports? Yeah, sports are the ultimate connector, the ultimate unifier. Everybody gathers around, whether it's the TV, in the arena or the stadium to cheer for their team, right? I mean, we started the call today talking about March Madness and who doesn't talk about March Madness in the brackets, right? I think there's just power in the fandom that it generates. And I think that fandom creates energy. It creates loyalty. It creates a community. And so there, it's a powerful opportunity for brands to leverage the platform, to tell their own stories, to leverage their goods and services. It's just, I think, a tremendous marketing opportunity. And again, going back to purposeful growth, great opportunity to, yes, sell your brand, sell your product, but also a great platform to do good. I mean, again, sports is a unifier. Sports touches every community. So it's just, again, a platform to do well and grow your business at the same time. That's interesting. So how can a brand, through sponsoring a sports league or team, accomplish doing good while reaching a passionate group of target consumers? Yeah, I think, again, depending on the sport and the league, right? But when forging those partnerships, just making sure that that collaboration is based on mutual values and that Mm -hmm. the conversation goes beyond like, okay, my logo is going to be here and what are we going to sell to, hey, what are you involved in from the community perspective? There's so many things, for example, at the NFL that we're involved in and that we do for the community, whether it be youth in sports, whether it be women, whether it be uplifting mentorship or education. And so if your brand at the same time has those values and wants to serve the community in that way, the best way to do it is to partner with the sports league and do it together, right? So, hey, you know, if we have a movement on mental health, as an example, 
what a perfect way to talk about mental health and shine the light on that issue than partnering with a sports league. The NFL could be an example or any other sports league, right? To really showcase how sports can heal and how sports can have the power of uplifting well-being and linking that to your brand. So that's just a small example, but there's so many things. I think empowering girls is an awesome example of how you can, I think uh, P&G is a great example of how they've partnered with the Olympics as to use a platform, not just to empower young girls and young women in sport, but they talk about the role of the mom. They talk about the role of moms and what they've been able to do for Olympic athletes. And I love that campaign. So it's just an example, but again, different things that companies can do with their brands by partnering with a sports organization to grow the business and deliver impact, positive impact in the community. 100%. From your experience, Doritos working with the NFL, is the NFL coming to Doritos and saying, hey, we have X initiative and would love to get Doritos involved? Or is it more so Doritos saying, we really want to support an initiative in this area? What can we do with the NFL? Like, Who's typically leading the outcome of where the brand will play and impact people? Yeah, I've had all sorts of experiences where sometimes a brand will approach the sports entity and say, hey, we're looking to do this. There's other times when the sports entity has approached the brand, hey, we have this opportunity. I think the best outcomes have always been when the two come together as mutual partners and when you start in a place of values, right? What are the core values that you represent? So again, talking back to unity, connectivity, well-being, uplifting different communities. When you start from that place, then everything else comes to life. It's like, hey, we're going to talk about how together, as an example, we can uplift the Hispanic community. Okay, great. Well, tell us some things about, from your brand perspective, how does your brand connect to this community? What are the kinds of things you've done in the past? Then the sports entity can say the same thing. And from that kind of collaboration and dialogue come some great ideas. Mm -hmm. That is when I've seen things work at their best. It can work if you already come with an opportunity or if the league approaches you, but most of the time, those things come from a transactional place, right? Hey, we'd love to get our logo on this stadium or let's just sponsor the thing. That's great. I don't think it truly leverages the potential of both the brand and the platform, right? And Again, once you come to the table with that mutual understanding and that desire for true partnership, then just, oh my gosh, magic can happen. And you see it everywhere. There's examples of that everywhere in sport, particularly in the NFL, because I really believe that the partnerships that the NFL has are very strong partnerships. They're longstanding partnerships that for years come out of a dialogue between the brand and the league in terms of the amazing things that we can do together. Again, to grow our league and fandom, to grow the brand's business, but more and more importantly, to give that positive impact back. I'm sure a question that so many of us are dying to know, how did the NFL ultimately win you over and convince you to come join after over 18 years at PepsiCo? It was just a crazy, crazy 
crazy time. I always say that I'll probably write a book about it at some point because gosh, it was a really, really tough decision. I mean, I think of the mindset I had at the time, I was going crazy, right? I mean, you talk about being in a company for close to 20 years, a place you consider your home, right? Some, Mm -hmm. a place you love, like there's really nothing wrong. And by the way, a place where you had total runway. So like a total runway to go do all these great things. And my plan had always been to retire from there, right? I'm going to retire from PepsiCo and go on to the next thing in my life. So then all of a sudden, everything just, you throw a range in that plan. And I think part of it was COVID changed a lot of things. Like I had a lot of opportunity to think about things and reflect back on my life. And I don't think I was done taking risk yet. And this was a tremendous risk. I mean, it was a huge risk, right? You're giving up pretty much your career here to go try something completely new. And part of that just really, I don't know, really inspired me to take the risk. I think I am a lifelong learner. One of the things that drives me every day and motivates me is learning being challenged, learning something new. And so just the prospect of learning the sports industry, being on the inside of the NFL and gosh, really getting to know how the place worked, what the real business was, that business model was really, really intriguing to me. And I love sports, right? So I think all of that, just that's the way I guess the league (laughs) would be over. It was like, hey, it is a risk. It's exciting. You're going to learn a lot. And maybe part of it was proving to myself, can I be successful in a different thing? Applying the same values and principles, right? I haven't changed who I am. I haven't changed my core beliefs. And yet I feel I can be successful in this kind of new world. So all of those things together was, I think, what finally got me over the edge, if you will. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, NFL is very lucky to have you. And you were speaking to the different business objectives of the NFL. From a marketing perspective, what are the marketing objectives of the NFL versus the 32 NFL teams? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, we do share a very important objective with the 32 teams, and that is fandom, right? Mm -hmm. Our number one job is to grow our fan base, is to continue to engage and grow the avidity of that fan base. So whether you're a Dallas Cowboy or whether you represent the league, that ultimately is our goal. Now, where it differs is as a league, we want to lift up the league as a whole, right? What the power of that shield means and the power of the NFL globally. But in doing so, we also want to lift the 32 teams, right? So it's like, those 32 teams are entities that each in and of themselves are powerful brands. It's not any different than the model I was talking about within PepsiCo. I mean, PepsiCo was all about performance with purpose. Each brand lived that in a very different way. I think for the league, it's the same thing. We want to elevate what the league stands for, which is that unifier, that stage for epic possibilities where anything can happen and that place of purpose, the platform for good where we are unstoppable if we all come together as one to give back to the community. That is the league. We're all stewards of this beautiful game that bring people together. 
And then each brand does it in a unique way, right? Cowboys are very different than the Chargers and the Bucks than the Philadelphia Eagles, right? But at the same way, we're like a coalition that is aiming to do the same thing. Yeah. Are you able to influence Aaron Rodgers joining my Jets? I would really appreciate it if you could put in a good word. (laughs) I wish I had that power. I could certainly put in a good word. But yeah, (laughs) I don't think that my level of influence goes that high. But I hear you. I hear you. One of the things I love about this job is the incredible passion that I find everywhere I go, right? And it was similar to Pepsi because everybody knows Doritos and Pepsi and Lay's. So when you talk about your brands, people know them and love them. But oh my God, when you talk about the NFL, you just have to say, I work for the NFL. And everyone's like, oh my God, well, what about this guy or this team or everybody has something, either a player that they love or a team or just this dream being from Dallas and having been in Dallas for the past 20 years and remembering what it was to win a Super Bowl, right? And just that dream that stays and remains and it's been here for 20 years. I know that dream, right? From a Dallas perspective. Now being part of the league, I can see it across the 32 Mm. teams. Every team, the fan base has those dreams. And that's what I love the most about marketing in the league is I'm a steward of those dreams, right? And I want to make sure that we keep creating those dreams and making them come to life for fans so that they keep engaging in the game and enjoying and bringing that happiness and joy that the game brings. Right. And you mentioned flag football before. Well, where do you see the biggest growth opportunities for the NFL in terms of fandom? Oh my gosh, there's so many opportunities. I'll talk about first that from a highest of levels, the fan base, right? Our fan base is strong. Our fan base is avid. I mean, we are the biggest sports platform in America. But as America changes and as that the demographics continue to change. There is so much opportunity for the future and making sure that we stay relevant to that future fan base is absolutely critical. It's critical for our growth, right? So as we start to see those demographics diversify, the values that Gen Z and young people bring to the table, women participating, making sure we're talking to every community out there. I think that's going to be really important for relevance and relevance will equal growth in the future, right? So that's definitely at the core of everything. But when you talk about particular pillars, I'll start with obviously media and entertainment, right? We are an entertainment entity at the end of the day. The game itself is that entertaining So making sure we're reaching new audiences and where they are and how they behave is huge growth opportunity. I think you Mm -hmm. saw Thursday Night Football this year with Amazon, first time to do a streaming platform. It was very successful. The future growth will be being part of these platforms, right? As you look at Sunday Ticket coming to YouTube, all of these things are going to be very important. So that's definitely a pillar of growth that we see global, making this game global. There's so, so much opportunity. And it just jazzes me to talk about it because while we are the number one sports league in the country, in the US, we're not number one in the world, which is interesting, right? We're coming from a position of- 
Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at across the world, FIFA, right? FIFA's a massive platform. Formula One's a massive platform globally. So we have an opportunity to, gosh, grow all over the world, right? And the fandom is there. I mean, we already have 400 million fans globally. The games that we've been able to do in London, in Munich, in Mexico City, I mean, they're sold out games. They are record-breaking games in terms of viewership. So being able to grow the game across the world is going to be huge and a big, massive platform. And the last one I'd say is flag. We talked about flag and the growth of flag football and flag isn't new. It's been around for a while, but now there's tremendous momentum because we see flag as the pathway to entry into our sport. It allows everyone to participate in the sport. And we know it's so important to, when you actually participate in the sport, you're more likely to engage in the sport as a fan. So we want to make sure the sport is accessible and reachable and that everybody has the opportunity to play. And flag is a game that it's all the skill set and everything that football brings, but it allows every gender, every ability level to come in and take part. So it's super, super important for us to continue to elevate it this year. I mean, it's just gotten tremendous momentum in terms mm-hmm. of, I think you saw, we completely revamped Pro Bowl to into the Pro Bowl games and flag was at the center of it all. And that was extremely successful. We're now in partnership with all of our clubs in really, really momentum mode to drive high school sanctioning for the sport across the U.S. so that every high school has it as an official sport. It's only sanctioned right now in eight states. Our goal is to make sure that it's sanctioned in all 50 states, right? And what's even more exciting is we have a bid to make this sport an Olympic sport as early as LA 28. And so by becoming an Olympic sport, imagine it becomes a global platform, right? Which again, ties back to the global growth of the sport and how we will take it across every country. So very, very exciting. There's other things in terms of technology and making the game accessible. We launched NFL Plus this past year as well. So again, in terms of bringing the game to people, making sure people participate in the game, and then just the engagement, the fan engagement across social media, across the world, and VR broadcast partners. I mean, gosh, the world is bright. Lots of room for growth. Lots of room for, for sure. What do you see as the biggest risk to growing fandom for the NFL? The biggest risk? I mean, I don't know if you'd call it a risk. I see a lot of opportunity. I think I'll rephrase it because I don't know if it's a risk, but it is what I consider an obligation, right? Because mm-hmm. as we grow, we are such a massive platform already. I mean, we are probably the most visible platform in the world. So with that comes, I think, a tremendous responsibility and obligation. And it goes back to what we were talking at the beginning. With such a massive platform, I feel like we have to give back. We have to serve the fan base that we serve in a different way in order to truly live up to the potential that the platform has. So the risk is not doing that because then in my mind, you wouldn't live up to the full potential, right? The opportunity is as we grow the revenue of the game, as we grow the fan base, the viewership, the avidity, 
we have to grow the impact and make sure that we're leveraging the platform for good, right? Whether it's to raise awareness of critical issues that are impacting the world, whether it's to raise money, quite frankly, and to give money to these critical organizations that are making a change, volunteer hours, in-kind donations, equipment. There's so many things and so many ways the league's already contributing. But to me, the biggest risk would be to have the growth and the profit side and not have the purpose side, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. You mentioned Gen Z and Gen Alpha, but before how Gen Z and Gen Alpha, how is their engagement in the NFL, their interest in an NFL compared to millennials and boomers when they were the same age that Gen Z's and Gen Alpha's are now? Yeah. I mean, it's very different, right? First, you start with participation, right? Because of COVID, we started to see really deep declines in youth participation in the sport. And like I said, that's critical, right? That's one of the reasons flag is so important to get them back in and get them engaged. That's definitely one of the things. But I think too, if you look at Gen Z, Gen A, they engage in media and entertainment in a much different way than (laughs) I engaged in it, right? They have so many more channels, so many more platforms now. And their attention span, quite frankly, isn't there, right? So it's not like you're going to get a teenager to watch a four and a half hour game. So we have to engage them in a game in a much different way. Social media is a great way to do that via influencers that they look up to, that they believe, that they follow. So our influencer marketing, our creator community is growing again to reach this audience very specifically. And again, they have different values, right? And beliefs that that other generations, I think they demand that positive impact. I think these new generations engage in brands that give back. I don't think it's enough to, first of all, you can't market to this generation, right? They see right through you. You have to be very real, very authentic, and you have to have a purpose in giving back or they don't engage. I mean, it's as simple as that. So as we think about really bringing them into the fold, because they're the new fans and they're the fan base of the future, we need to think about all those things, right? What verticals do we engage in to drive their interest? Is it fashion? Is it music? Is it gaming? Right. And make sure that the league is present in all of those verticals. How do our players engage with this new generation? We have a marketing strategy called Helmets Off because we literally want to take the helmets off our players and have people see them as human beings, right? On and off the field. So you see things like, I don't know if you've seen Mic'd Up series where you actually hear oh, what yeah, those are great. And, yeah. and even things like the Manning cast, right? It's just a very different way to watch and enjoy the game. As young as Nickelodeon, I don't know if you've ever seen the Nickelodeon program. I and, can't wait for my 15-month-old to get a little bit older so I have oh an my excuse God. to it's watch so that broadcast. It's yes. the best. That broadcast is the best. That Christmas game. I actually watched the Christmas game on Nickelodeon because I love the players getting slimed and then running through burgers. And it's just like (laughs) the coolest thing. So we have to do all of those unique and creative things to engage this new audience. They just, otherwise, I can't see your 15 month old 
ever watching a traditional broadcast or even in the stadium, right? There's new ways to engage our fans and make sure they feel part of the game and part of the community. Yeah. The Savannah Bananas are doing that pretty well in baseball. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yes. Yes. Well, all those kinds of things are important again to make the game more exciting for sure. (laughs) Yeah. My last question for you, and, and this has been so interesting and really helpful to our audience. So thank you. 15 years from now, what do you think will be the biggest changes to the NFL? Oh, wow. 15 years from now. Well, this is all Marissa's prediction. So we'll see how cool this is. I think 15 years from now, we are going to see our platform in a completely different way. Probably more streaming and mobile and on the go than a linear experience, right? I mean, that's going to be probably three years from now. I mean, very, very soon. I think you're going to see the game being global. You're going to be seeing it played all over the world. And hopefully, if I have a vision of the World Cup, right? Gosh, I could see a football World Cup that we could really enjoy and see all the different countries competing in the game. I see women engaged in the sport more than ever as players, as coaches, as hopefully more owners, more front office. So I definitely see women. I see a lot more diversity, right? So every community, ethnicity represented and just continued growth, right? But then I also see the impact. All the stuff that we do for our communities, we're doing it now in the US. I want to see that impact all over the world, right? Because there's things the world is experiencing now and will into the future that really require powerful platforms like the NFL to get involved in and change and change the game. So do you see a world where, I guess I lied. I have one last question. Okay. Do you see a world where flag football is just as popular as tackle football? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, already there are actually world championship games for flag that are being played now that will continue to elevate. So yes, I see that as the gateway to tackle, right? More and more boys and girls are going to join and be part of leagues all over the world. And that's going to be feeding into our pipeline of tremendous talent and continue to grow both games, the flag and the tackle game. So very, very exciting. Well, Marissa, I'm so excited to see what you achieve at the NFL. In the past 18 months alone, the impact that you have made on communities, on commitment to flag, everything that you've been doing has been incredible. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope that maybe in a year from now, two years from now, we could see what predictions have come true and do another episode where we talk through it. Yeah, no, I always great to talk about all the wonderful things that the league is doing to continue to be purposeful and grow, right? Yeah, the best combination. Thank you so much, Marissa. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Unaided, the brand building podcast with our guest, Marissa Solis. As a recap, we discussed purposeful growth, power of sports for brands, and NFL growth opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Evan Brandoff. See you next time, everyone. Play on. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating at leagueside.com slash podcast. For more educational and inspiring content, you can follow Leagueside on LinkedIn and Instagram at leagueside underscore. See you next time.